This is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast, and on today's episode, we got a very special guest in, Selena Dillon and her brother Kevin Dillon as well. Exactly. We've got the brother-sister duo on the show this week. For those that don't know, Selena is a singer and songwriter, and Kevin is a former NCAA soccer athlete. Uh, They talk about growing up in a second-generation household. Yeah, Selena and Kevin's dad. Growing up in England, their mom growing up in Canada, so it was really cool to see how that dynamic played out with them. Yeah, it's a really dope combo. And then afterwards, we talk about uh, having a father who played in an academy for a Premier League team. Yeah, especially for Kevin, being an athlete, those are huge shoes to fill. So we talk about his dynamic of having a father as a coach and, yeah, how, and yeah, the challenges that, with that, that was sometimes. A re- that was a really dope combo. Also, we get into a little bit of Selena's traveling and combining the activism with the art as well. Exactly. She's been around. She's studied and traveled in places like South Africa and New York with a lot of deep history. And so we talk about combining that experience with her music and how activism has influenced her art. So please do enjoy the Immigrant Hustle podcast. Let's go. Hey, welcome to the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your host, B-Magic. To the right of me, I got... Noise. To the left of me, we got a very special guest. Selena Dillon. And to the left of you... Kevin Dillon. Yes, yes. We even got her brother today. (laughs) So, you know, we're going to get into the childhood stories. And uh, first of all, I would like to welcome you to Cumble's uh, Cumble Studios. Thank you. I love it. Everything, uh, like everything here yeah, is like very do-it-yourself, so do not mind. Make yourself at home. <laughs> um, we are glad to finally have you on the podcast. It wasn't hard to get a uh, hold of you since we're all very good friends, but welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Like we always like to do, we want to start out with the early years of the one they call Selena Dillon. Um, were you born and raised in Brampton? I was in well, Mississauga, but then we, I was there from like nine months in Brampton. So yeah, it's, that's my roots. And, uh, how about your parents? What was, uh, their journey kind of like? So my mom went, she, she had moved to Brampton at the age of 12. So she's been here ever since. Okay. Went to our hot, went to my high school, Turner Fenton. Okay. And, shout out. Yeah, man. And <laughs> she was there the first year, first year it opened, um, was the only brown girl in those schools at the time. And then when I got in there, I was like, you know, we were the majority at that point. Um, My dad didn't come to Brampton until he married my mom in his late 20s, but had migrated from India to England and grew up there. Okay, so so your mom grew up here and your dad grew up in England and then made his way to Canada. And you and your brother both born and raised in Brampton. Yes. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yes. Of course. So, sorry, it. just to go back a bit. Um, yeah. I know your dad's got a pretty interesting story. Uh, actually, I was on the train with him the other day. We were yeah. talking a little bit about that. Um, I know your dad's really big into sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your dad's his athletic career in England and how yeah. kind of what he did and how he got started? You want to talk about this, Skip? I might have to. <laughs> have to. This might, yeah, Ke- Kevin probably yeah, knows best about this. Ahead. I mean, my dad, like, uh, he grew up in a pretty kind of interesting way. Um, even just growing up uh, as, a, as an Indian boy, man, like, you know, sports. Like, it's not really looked upon as something something to uh, 
kind of make money and you know our, our parents were always like doctor lawyer engineer or something you know like just make money as what they want but soccer back then wasn't a way of to make money so he never got pushed into footy yeah so man when he came over to england he just picked it up at what like 11 years old all of a sudden he had a kind of a gift you yeah. know and he got picked up by west ham at 11 played with them until 18 and man like throughout those years he went through hell with his dad like uh, he would try to cut up his shoes, not let him play. My dad would have to run away to go. To go uh, I, I to know your, your, your grandfather, your dad's dad, he, he, is, uh, he, he was in the army, right? Yeah, he was a captain. Captain, yeah, so not even just in the army, yeah, like a, a high-ranking yeah. officer, yeah. which uh, I know like you and your father have told me before because I am close with yeah, you yeah, and your, your pops. Back. But um, yeah, so like he, it was totally separate worlds. Your dad yeah. was a young athlete, but coming from a kind of a military family. Yeah. And um, that may not be something that they were agreeing with at the time. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he, he has to, he, he was running like a military household almost. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he has that mentality. Of Discipline, it. all exactly. that type of stuff. My dad was trying to be kind of like a free spirit, yeah. you know, a free spirit, follow your dreams, do what you want to do. And which, like, which make, a lot of immigrant happy. kids end up being like. Exactly. Right? You know, so, I mean, he went through that and he went through, like I said, he went, he went through hell with his dad, but eventually he did become an engineer and, and whatever. But I mean, his soccer career, he was with West Ham United, better than a lot of the guys that made professional soccer and made yeah. it to the big leagues, you know? Well, so, I mean, like, even nowadays, you barely hear of, uh, like, people of Punjabi descent being in, in any sports league, yeah. let alone yeah. the English, uh, like, to be in an academy for a team that plays in the prem Premier League, right? And you're white, but why is that? that that's what I don't, I never understand. And, and that, Billy, that, that could be a know? whole episode that we can talk right? all day about. Crazy, right? But... Like, you're starting to see a trickle in now. Like, you have yeah. the Fuller brothers who yeah. kind of had a little thing with the NBA for a while. And you got Jajar Kera yeah. playing for the Sorry. Oilers. He's killing it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You're it. starting to see the wave now, right? Like, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. In, even in the Premier League. He no must way, have yeah. been, like, looked at like an alien because there's well, not, yeah, there's I plenty, guarantee yeah. you there was not many, if any, Punjabi yeah. kids uh, at that level, at that age. Even color, even people of color. People like, of even, color. People of color even playing footy back then. Man, it's, it's very, very, it was very rare. And he went through, like, like I said, a lot of racism growing up and just like a lot of color people did in that, in that age. So, I mean... So, yeah, he had an interesting So he career. was, let's say, a dream chaser yeah. as well. Yeah. He understood I, he what understood, it took yeah. to do it. And yeah. he, when we were born and he could see our talents and our gifts, it was never a matter of, you can't do that. It was, go ahead, do it. Um, but then again, he also lived some sort of conventional way as well. You know, yeah. he did please his father and did feel that he needed to do that. And I think in some ways, you know, there, that trickles down, that expectation does kind of land on our shoulders. So when we are seeing this emergence now of athletes of color, you know, brown athletes in certain um, leagues or even artists just getting into different art forms, it's happening in our generation because yeah. now we're like, break that shit, mm -hmm. you know, really, truly break it. Like we've seen our parents go through it. They tried. They were denied in so many ways, and now you're like, okay, I'm gonna take it on for them. Yeah. Truly, no, yeah. No, it's it's dope. It's dope because like you know, we've had this conversation with a lot of people here, and it's like, through immigration, a lot of people got their creative arts kind of got suppressed because you have to provide and stuff like that. Or, yeah. Yeah. like you said, like your dad might not have been that into footy because yeah. he like say if he had to go work a job to provide for everybody, which ends up coming into everybody's life. And I'm sure that's 
maybe one of the reasons why he yeah. didn't even get to the to the heights he could have, right? Yeah. But it's it's kind of cool to see that at least now the next generations in even those people that were creative now have the ability to go out there and kind of follow their dreams and 100%. that has kind of been a reoccurring theme within this podcast and it's cool to see but um so yeah like what are your like earliest childhood memories like obviously selena you are the older and yeah. it's just you and kevin yes. like uh what was growing up in 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 first of all in brampton and within your household as well Ooh, um. our household wasn't the conventional like indian household you know what i'm saying i don't think it was yeah, we it was a, it was a it was our it was our own. Like I think yeah. we just fell into our own traditions and created them. Like soccer Saturday, that's still a thing in our house. Yeah. Yeah. We wake up every Saturday and I don't like I come home sometimes if I'm traveling or whatever and all you hear is you know and screaming and I'm on the phone and people don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't understand what that is what that even is, but I do and I remember like my mom sometimes going to work on Saturdays. I think I was like what, seven or eight. I knew how to make an egg and I knew how to get on toast duty to get, you know, English breakfast ready because that's what we would do. They became our own traditions in a way based on where my parents grew up. Yeah. You know, a lot of those things. Shout out to you English know? brekkie, by the way. Right? Way yes. underrated. Right? <laughs> One of the most underrated dishes I've seen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And especially at your household, it must Yo. be pretty damn good. And breakfast yeah, for dinner so. all day. Like, oh, you yeah, could totally yeah. take that I, and do dinner. We could sit here for two hours talking <laughs> yeah. about breakfast yeah. for dinner <laughs> arguments right? as well. So, so far, this yeah. conversation is going really yeah. good. Oh, yeah. But, but I think, yeah. I think an interesting way about the way you grew up, just compared to like the way I grew up mm -hmm. or some of the other guests that we've had is that, you know, your parents were in a way first generation themselves. Yes. So yeah. your parents had kind of gone through that immigration struggle, you know, coming mm -hmm. to Canada, coming to England. Yeah. Um, so that kind of changed the dynamic between how they related to you because mm -hmm. with my parents, they were, you know, they didn't really know English too well. Exactly. But, you know, your yeah, parents yeah. are already, you know, they already had that knowledge. They already had an understanding of how to navigate in Western society. Yeah. Um, so just in terms of, the way the knowledge they tried to pass on to you like do you recall any instances of them saying like yo out here in the west like this is what you got to do or any 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 gems that they dropped in you that way you know my mom my mom really did i think in that way they both did equally in their own ways in terms of you know just having the confidence to do certain things or just supporting us. You know, my mom recognized the need to have, you know, to nurture kids and, and to be doing like things that you just want to try. Even if, even if it was something you weren't going to pursue later, she understood the need for that because again, she didn't necessarily have all those things, but she was exposed to them, you know, um, being in Canada. So she saw a lot of her friends who weren't in immigrant households going to like swimming classes or dance classes and things like that. And, I don't think she was always able to do some of those things, but knew that she was going to do that for her kids. That was important for her to do. But even speaking to that, I mean, yes, they did grow up here, but they still were heavily influenced by a certain way of thinking of that course. I think yeah. all of our parents still yeah. have. And that's that old generation mentality. Yes. Just because they were here at an early age. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that they must have had the strictest parents, right? right? But, you right. Know, it, 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 like one of the things is that they, they try to push that 
mentality onto you because that's all of they course, know. Of yeah. course, of course, right? That, that strictness is still found in our parents' generation, yeah. even if they've been in the Western yeah. world for most of their life yeah. now, right? Because it's all they know, and that's the way parents are supposed to be, yeah. right? Obviously, through our generation, like we say, we're not going to be strict, but certain shit that yeah. they did to us, we're going to end up doing of to course, the next of generation, course, right? Of course, yeah. But yeah. the thing like suppressing arts, if you have the ability yeah. To, yeah. to get your schoolwork done and still pursue a passion... I never understood that, yeah. right? Like, if you're going to suppress, like, a good kid's ability to to, to express themselves, uh, that's not a good thing for anybody, exactly. right? Exactly. But, like, you know, obviously, if they're pissing away their life and, you know, pretending like they're good at something when they may not even be good at <laughs> it, right? Then, yeah, you step in and you get yeah. involved, right? But th- it's kind of cool that your parents kind of, they they're a little bit old school in their mentality but yeah. then they also understand the western yeah. world of course, and they've yeah, seen it course, they've seen yeah. it experienced it and also been denied so they know the value of it of course you know? they, like they're still growing up in a time where there's hardcore racism compared to yeah. what we grew up in the brampton we grew up in was is so diverse yeah. and not even in yeah we have a lot of punjabis but i remember growing up with italians portuguese yeah. colombians it shows Greeks, in your friends like, today yeah, it shows yeah in your friends and you today. know yeah, you yeah. learned a little swear yeah. word in each language yeah, yeah. growing up <laughs> yeah, right yeah, and yeah. But that's the thing. Yeah. As long as you know a little bit about somebody, like, you know, it's, it, it goes a long way. But like, like Brampton was a really white place once upon exactly. a time. Very yeah. much it wouldn't, so. And, and you, yeah. you, know, you know, today's Brampton is nowhere near the, the, the Brampton that we grew up in. Oh, it's, it's, oh, way, no. it's, it's way, it's way worse. It's, it's, way, it's yeah. way, yeah, honestly, man. <laughs> it, and it's unfortunate, man, because yeah. Brampton was, you know, it was such a beautiful place. It, yeah. it, it still is. It still is. It still is, is a beautiful place. But it's just kind of messed up. Yeah, you know what? It's, just it's a little fucked up, you know? Yeah. Brampton's taking a hit right it's now, but you know what? Up, it's right? it's going to take a turnaround. Yeah, it's you know, the people just got to yeah. hold it down. Exactly, it yeah. Sack right. Um, and like what? Yeah. How was, like, you said your parents are always open for you to follow your dreams and then never wanted to, like, you know, shit on your dreams, yeah. right? Like, what was it like growing up? Like, did you, was music in the household? Was that something that you wanted to do? Were you watching movies and wanted to be an actress? Like, what was it? Like, what were those early dreams in Selena and Kevin's life? I think for me, again, it's just the exposure I had. And I had grown up on R&B, soul, jazz records. That's what my mom had because she grew up with them being here. So I didn't listen to anything Punjabi at all. I didn't no. know a lot of Punjabi. I wasn't... I didn't, you know, dance, like do dance routines to it the way I know other friends of who, mine now do. Who are like some artists that your mom would listen to that might have rubbed off on you? Well, Roberta Flack is the one hands down. I had okay. I had that album. Yeah. That's how I learned Killing Me Softly. That was the first record I knew. That's the first song I ever really sang. And then I think from there, like we just we just had the we had the equipment. We had a microphone. We had like a stereo system. We still have it. Yeah, yeah. And I would plug that in. And my my because my dad was so social with soccer, he would have his mates come over after a game. Yeah. Everyone would get around. That was my audience. <laughs> I had it. I had a full house every weekend. So oh, it was man. awesome. I turned it on. Everyone thought it was the cutest thing. I was running around doing it. And yeah, so I would just run with it. And again, we just always had that music on and it resonated with me. It was a way that I could express myself. Um, and then music, I think, just became a therapy because of what we were dealing with sometimes in the family and just, just general life. I think for any kid, when you're going up, growing up and you see certain things, um, you do become 
self you become like you 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 develop a need to express yourself um and i did I, i very quickly understood what i needed and i would run up to my room every single night and that was it i would just close it off and and escape with music how old are we talking when the four i was four i was four when i started like your whole life yeah yeah four yeah literally i was four when i when i got on that mic there's pictures of me with like broomsticks and stuff singing into anything that i could and yeah used to organize like a remember the little uh the the thing that we had at Christmas time, yeah, you used to organize like you were the main singer, no? Yeah, yeah, you were the main singer at Christmas time. So all, all of the cousins, and then she, we would be all be playing like random instruments <laughs> in the background, and she'd be right in the front, like murking it, and we'd be playing like just random, like and then she'd be singing in the background. Man, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, and again, like having cousins here that were older, and again, just being they were so into hip hop and R and B that it influenced me, and they a lot of them were older than I was, like five plus years older so I was listening to that and then trying to do like fly girl routines like in living color I was <laughs> doing all that you know and and learning all of it so it really be that's what really became a part of me because my mom was already so into all of it it just rubbed off on us yeah that's dope like yeah. um what are like obviously we're everybody gets influenced by their parents in their early ages right like yeah. I I listen to whatever my parents listened to because that's all that was around. You don't, it's not like you get your own music, right? But like once you get to the age where you're discovering music and music is becoming easier to discover, um, what are some artists that you get into once you figure out like the, the stuff that you want to listen to? At that age, like at, at that, that age? at that age, like those those early stages, because like yeah. not everybody yeah, just goes directly into hip hop and R and B. Like yeah. yo, I remember listening to rock, yeah, techno, yeah. all sorts of shit when I was yeah, yeah. I was a kid, right? Yeah. Green Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, yeah. I was I well, I, I remember yeah. SWV, like SWV, just yeah, jamming yeah. out to you know Sisters with Voices. That was my my vibe. You were listening to all kinds of hip hop. I gotta admit, when I was younger, I, I listened to Backstreet Boys a little. <laughs> okay, yeah. you were doing the routine. But it's okay, right? man. It's okay. It's a little phase. Who was I got your favorite over Backstreet Boy? I can't. No comment. <laughs> Kevin had blonde highlights too yeah. oh, for one Christmas. Yeah, influenced tips, by. Eh? I was influenced by the music. You know, I was influenced by. The music. <laughs> EJ was the best, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he was the best. He was the, the best smokiest voice. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like that I don't think anybody else could sing there. Brian no, was good. They could good. sing. They could sing. Brian, Brian, yeah. and AJ, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, no, Brian kind of looked like Brian a was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Can yeah, yeah, you know, he has a little yeah. bit of a leprechaun vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Selena, you talked about you know performing for your dad's friends from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your very first gig, like a formal gig on a stage? Uh, the one of the ones was my first talent show in grade two. Was it grade two? Yeah, grade two. And um, there was a woman out there, um, a, a friend of my teacher. I can't remember if she was there. Or they told her about it after. And then she was like, oh, we really want to cast her for this television show that we're doing. No so way. even at that age, yeah, there was these cool opportunities springing up. That show never got funding or whatever. Yeah. But it was like one of those sing-along yeah, things, yeah, you know? Yeah, like lamb chops. Yeah, something yeah. similar to that. Yeah. And that was, for me, one of the first things. And I think the second time after that was grade three and I sang... Uh, um, I don't remember the name of it, but that I want to be a mighty king. So the, from Lion oh, King, yeah. one, of the, one of the numbers. Yeah, shout out to yeah, Lion man, King. Right? Yeah. yeah. So um, again, I was just like 
always doing it. Those were the main things like in school and school. Again, it was an amazing environment to be around other kids that were just loving music. Really yeah. like I, and when you're in music class at that age, you just want to get on something and play, you know, so it was fun at that age. It was just, yeah, it's a very yeah. intriguing age. Exactly. right? You're still figuring out, whoa, like, what is this exactly. shit? Right? And I think even for like if you don't have necessarily parents at home supporting you, you have the environment sometimes of your peers at school who will just you know help you that being said sometimes they can get mean right we all know kids can be kind of mean and like for me that didn't come until later yeah dealing with that so you've been performing from an early age was there ever like any pressure at that point or was it just go try like have fun and just i just enjoy doing this like there was I'm guessing you weren't putting pressure on yourself at no, that age. No, not at all. It wasn't again until much later when I started to that that's when the insecurities really grew within me. But until then I was just doing it freely. I was doing it as therapy on the stage. Like it was so cool. That's yeah. the mentality you should keep though to your own life. Oh yeah. That well, age, but that's the know? thing, right? You like try, that, you, that's yeah. crazy, you, you right? get that when you're an adult and yeah. some get it at an early age, but it's like, you have to live through some shit to yeah, figure yeah, that yeah, shit yeah. out. Right. Yes. Um, let's get into maybe like your high school years, right? Yeah. You're getting older. Um, you went to Turner Fenton. Shout out to Turner Fenton. I know your brother went to Turner, oh, Turner Fenton yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. They were pretty shit at soccer, but let's <laughs> keep it moving. Rob's a tier two champion. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, so what was that experience like? What was the diversity at, at that point? And uh, what were your memories like? It changed from when I was in uh, junior high, like middle school to Turner because Middle school was still very diverse and we had a really strong music program. When I got to high school, I was that was my first time being around all Punjabi kids. Yeah. The very yeah. first time. Yeah. So yeah. that switched for me. It was no longer kids who are like again had were coming from spaces of being supported in their arts. I felt the competition. I felt jealousy from kids sometimes I don't I didn't even look at it at the time as that but my mom would tell me like this is what's happening to you this is what you're going through so it was that for me and it was a huge shock and I went through some really shitty times in high school wasn't all beaches and yeah even for me like the type of transition I had when I moved from Norway like I went from growing up as a child with being like the only brown kid like me my middle brother and then like some random kids to like coming here and then like middle school is when I came here and then I'm like yeah it was kind of getting a bit more diverse and yeah more Punjabi people than I've ever seen in my life but it wasn't as wild as it is now but like I was just like yo this is gonna be dope like yo Punjabis are everywhere like yo there's gonna be just like all the people like I grew up with and then I found out no no it's not like you know I probably found more racism amongst my own peers, Punjabi peers, than I ever did from any blue-eyed blonde kid in Norway. And that's kind of sad, you know? Like, it was... And I don't don't even know what to pinpoint that on. Like... It's just the mentality here, though, I feel like. I don't know. It's some type of, like, envy or jealousy they have to have for everybody that they see that. Like, even when you're walking down the road, you see, like, somebody just staring at you for no reason. It just feels like this is judging you, looking down at you. And they they have this anger towards... Out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying? They carry this anger with them the whole time. And it's only the people here or like even in North America. You don't see that anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? 
Maybe a little in England. I don't, but you know, no, it, I, it might happen it, in communities. It, you know what? I feel like it, it, it definitely happens everywhere in the world, but I feel like tight community and you are going against, like, yeah, when you're a minority yeah. in a sense, right? You have to band together and you have to, even if you don't like each other, yo, we have to do this for survival, exactly, right? Yeah. But like here, there's been such a mass immigration that, yo, if you see Punjabis everywhere, it's it's less like, yo, I'm going to stop and talk to this guy. It's because like yo, yo, I remember my parents being like, anytime we saw anybody of any brown color, we would stop and talk to them yeah. because it was like, yo, like we it'd miss be, that. Be nice, here, yeah. it's like, yo, I remember being young walking past the Baba and being like, Sastrikal, and the guy like looked at me like, who the hell are you? Exactly. But that that's what we did in Norway, yeah. right? Because, yeah. yo, that's what we got to band together, right? And here it was like, that guy, it's not like his fault, it's just, he didn't know me, right? So yeah. he's like, oh, he didn't, weird. Like, yeah. he's like, why is this kid saying that to me? Because yeah. it's not the norm here, right? Yeah. That's I wonder true. really, I do wonder what it is. Like, is it that we adopt a mentality imposed on us by people who saw us as different and then we almost projected onto each other in some ways. It, it could be something You know, like, like it, it, yeah, it's almost like we absorb something from what's been done to us and then we give it to each other. And it's... Even, but even in, even in England, though, like, you could just pop over to your neighbor's house, no problem, without calling, nothing, and then they'll, they'll sit you in, you can have food, tea, whatever, you know? Here, if you do that to somebody, it's frowned upon. Like... Mm. Please call me first. Please text me first. Don't yeah. Let me know you're coming. You can't just pop up, you know? Yeah, that, that has like, something to do with <laughs> culture, culture, right? Culture, culture yeah. and our culture mixed, right? Yeah. That's definitely going to make two different pots. But Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about McMaster. Because that's when... Cause <laughs> I We both went to McMaster at the same time. Never knew each other. Never knew each other. <laughs> I remember seeing you in the school paper, though. Yes. Yeah, so tell, <laughs> me, about, tell me about Mac Idol. Oh, man. So, okay, well, in Mac, again, we had a really strong Punjabi brown community. Um, a lot of people you hear about now are came from Mac. And, um, yeah, there was an opportunity to be in a competition, which was Mac Idol, modeled off of American Idol. And I went for it. And at the time, JJ was one of the homes. So J-Static. Yeah, J-Static. Shout out JJ, right? you asshole. <laughs> And we had a huge network there, a huge network of, you know, there was like McMaster Punjabi, so all a whole bunch of things, you know? Yeah. So again, a lot of support came from that um, in the competition, and I went out for it, and I won the whole damn thing. So okay. I was Mac Idol that year, <laughs> that first Mac year. Idol. So you're like the yeah. Ruben Stutter of <laughs> McMaster. <laughs> no, don't compare me to Ruben Stutter, because I don't know where the fuck Ruben Stutter is. <laughs> is he alive? I don't know. Oh. Nah, he's still alive. I think he's gospel. Gospel. gospel, gospel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've been, oh, you've been following yeah. his rise, huh? Yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> that's, that's my, my boy. boy. <laughs> you voted, shout huh? Out, shout I out to Ruben Stutter. Like shout out to Ruben Stutter. Yeah. I'd like to be like a Jennifer Hudson, you know. All right, yeah. Being so, who yet. were you up against in the in the competition? I don't even remember, but the genres were not R and B or hip hop. It was like rock and something else that was folkish. Yeah, it was very different. It was very di again a very diverse genre of um, artists. So it was dope to be up there, and, and that was actually one of my first times ever doing a whole live performance with a band, because okay. they had a band come in for the finals. And we got to pick a track that we wanted to do. And they, I think we all chose covers. And I did Lady Marmalade. I even okay. did Little Kim's rap. Oh, oh shit. I threw that shit Whoever down. Whoever has some footage of that, <laughs> we're going to need that. Okay, got, so the worst. I got, the I got worst, you. The, I got you. The got shitty you. thing about that is I got home so excited. We had the full video on the camera. 
and I deleted it. No. The you full, did? I deleted the, yeah, man. Why? The full performance. On purpose? No, I was oh. just so excited. I was doing something with the camera. And boom, I do. You got to have it of that. <laughs> she deleted my, boy, my, my pictures when I was born. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah my dad has pictures and I reround the film. Oh, <laughs> my God. Selena dropping man. the ball yeah. ever since That's we can why remember. <laughs> That's why I'm on a microphone. I don't, <laughs> I don't handle cameras. Yeah, please. Yes, don't touch any of our cameras while we're here, please. Okay, Sorry. thank you very much. But yeah, yeah. So as you're, yeah. You know, you're doing Mac Idol, you're doing yeah. more shows and stuff. Yeah. Uh, were your parents coming to these shows to watch? My mom's been in the front row since, again, that second grade talent show. She, That's where she is. That's where she'll always be. So again, like it just... It, for me, it's um, it's a huge uh, a huge thing to have that support, and I know that I always do. She's got my back. She comes for every gig if she can. Um, my dad again because he was so involved with football and soccer. Well, soccer um, he wasn't always there, and I think now he's like he's really making that effort as he continues to see it grow and evolve and be something. Mm-hmm. He's he makes your sure parents like, are mad cute. Like they're they at are. all they your come. shows, they, they support come. to the yeah. max. Yeah, like obviously yeah. we've performed at a lot of the same gigs, and yeah. and to see auntie and uncle out there, like yeah. you know, it's it's totally dope, right? Yeah, you have the full support of your parents, and yeah. that is amazing to have yeah. when you're up there with many people out there that's a cool thing they adopted that kind of mentality yeah like, you still support even, your kids. It doesn't even matter what you doing, kev right? you're yeah. fucking as at as many shows as you can yeah. obviously sometimes you're at soccer yeah, because yeah. you're decent at soccer yeah. i'm not gonna say you're good <laughs> but you're you're pretty decent sunday morning sunday morning sunday morning, <laughs> sunday morning, sunday morning, sunday morning you're yeah. shit at fantasy yeah, soccer yeah, yeah. but that's another topic yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like, w- what's that feeling like to see? Like, does that put pressure on you, or is that something that warms you up for like going out there? You have your family supporting you. Like, it can like to some people they might be like, no, mom, like stay at home. Like you're gonna make me nervous, right? What was it for you? Does it like is it the opposite? Yeah, or, d- definitely or, the opposite. I guess yeah. for some people. Their parents aren't even in the show. In the, the yeah. show, because yeah. like my parents, yeah, exactly. my mom's yeah. never seen me perform. Right. My dad's I, been to maybe two gigs. I don't even think my parents have ever seen me perform. But is that either. like out of choice, really? or is it? They've more... seen me play soccer and oh, stuff no, like no, that. No, but, but yeah, like yeah, no, music, music wise, no, they were a lion's roar. That's crazy. Oh, like yeah. back wow. then. Yeah. I don't know if they've seen any recent ones though. But is that out of like choice, or they just no, don't? Well, it might just be. I don't really invite them it's probably on me yeah. still yeah no it it definitely warms me up and like just it empowers me to know that they're there and and they have my back that way and again like as they haven't been able to come to certain shows now just with the way life is and things come up and they can't be there kevin's there all the time with me and i make sure that he is so i know I'm you're saying entourage. you come to you, <laughs> no like he really holds me down like before a gig now he's very much a part of this ritual i go through where i need someone something or an energy around me to ground me um so he's taken that on it's really dope yeah yeah so when you were at mcmaster um what were you studying there i did political science and economics yes very different it was not arts related and again that was the side of me that felt the should like i should be doing this because i should go to law school and although music was so important to me and that's what in my bone and soul I wanted to do and I knew that that's what was like that was my dream to feed me one day it was the should I was doing shit I should do even at that time yeah so it was not always smooth sailing in that realm I yes I excelled academically or whatever but 
Um, there came a time even during macro, like I did really poorly at one point, um, just from things affecting me. And I did want to stop. I didn't want to like continue on at one point. And, uh, I did again because of the shoulds, but in my heart, it was like music. Yeah. yeah. And that's the same struggle. A lot yeah. of people have, right? Like yeah. your parents are obviously going to push you in a direction that you, you need something where you get a stable career in life. Right. Yeah. yeah they support you in music and stuff and stuff like that. But it's like until music is going to pay the bills like a, yeah. like a nine to five would. Yeah. It's understandable to be skeptical, right? Because we all got to survive. But just imagine if like the younger you could go to like a music academy right after high school, like right out of high school, figure out how to record yourself, figure out how to market yourself, stuff like that. Like we should be pushing our kids if you see that talent obviously if your kid has no talent then, then don't don't is, don't yeah. waste your money like <laughs> you're not gonna some shit can't be taught out here like yeah. no real, i'm being that's realistic right yeah like yeah some people have it and you see it from an early age and some people can work really really hard to get good at it too it, yeah i'm not saying that it's impossible but no. if you see the signs then push people towards it right and that's something that i wish even i did right but yeah, it's you have to nurture your talents it's it. the mentality yeah. of you need a degree to get a job and to get a job to be able to provide yeah and i understand it yeah. but you know a part of me is like fuck that you yeah. know of course of course yes. man. absolutely so i think that's where i when i say things about my parents being so supportive and they're so incredible that way and they understand it and my dad taught me determination my mom knew how to like you know teach me how to empower myself in ways on the other side they only knew what they knew and it's like that wasn't going to be the end like you know the end result in a way like yeah that's cool that you were doing it and and whatnot but at the end of the day it was like okay so what next what now you need to have a job you need to you know be doing those kinds of things so yeah mm -hmm. so yeah, after after finishing thing. university um, you did end up doing more schooling so i guess i did what was it, what was that decision making process was it like okay I'm d i have my degree i can go do music or i want to study more or like what was going through your head at that point at that point i took i took a bit of time off and something again i think you know, we, our parents tend to maybe like frown upon a little bit. I know my mom did it at first. It was more just like, I think more of like an anxiety from her, like, oh my God, you, sh you know, you, sh you should be getting on to school and, and finishing. And sh again, just coming from a good place of her wanting the best for me, I know, but it put a lot of pressure on me at that point. And I was already feeling it from the end of high school. So I went into a spell of what I now can see as depression. And I, wasn't diagnosed at the time but I went through that time and then made the choice to go back and do my master's because that program that I was going into was really important to me it was a subject and so I did a master's in international affairs so specializing in governance and human rights because that is something that I am so passionate about and I do speak about in the music when it comes to the issues I address or the things that I support and the events that I support through music um, so yeah, that work was important and I did go ahead and do that, but I got to do it in a really dope city, which was New York. Mm -hmm. So get going out there again, I got to be around music all the time and yeah, I had really cool opportunities. Yeah. You, so it seems like you figured out yeah. a way to make it work, right? Yeah. Like obviously, like you said, you went into like stages of depression, mm -hmm. right? Like, and I'd like you to elaborate on that too, mm -hmm. because it, unless it's hard to talk about, no. but you know, like 
these are things that people go through and they may not even know that they're going through certain symptoms, right? Because you're so lost in it. And I've seen depression firsthand within my family as well. And it's, it's something that, yeah, even at first I was like, why aren't you snapping out of this? But once you see it's, it's, it's yeah, a lot yeah, bigger it's a lot than big, just yeah. that, right? It's and so much harder, yeah. Like, w- do you know what triggered this? What was it? Was it just? What was it? <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of things. Again, it was the pressure of, oh shit, I'm not doing what I should be doing. You know, there was a boy obviously involved. Yeah, yeah. You know, that shit popped up. That wasn't. That wasn't really um, positive in any way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, heartbreak obviously affected me, and then. Again, it was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And and doing, like, still performing music, I, I was doing, but I was clinging to it, again, in my own little private domain where I feel that therapy from it. So I wasn't even, like, trying to make money off of it at that point. I was like, no, this is still so personal to me. It's still so intimate. It's still the thing that gets me through the next day and gets me to wake up the next day. Yeah. And that's all I was really focused on at that point. And yeah, I mean, that part of it, that that part of like the spell of depression was something I didn't notice because I hadn't seen it before really or know how to identify it. And for me, I was identifying it by like, you know, this, the lack of sleep, the insomnia. I, I was always kind of like not a, I wasn't a sleeper at all growing up, but my insomnia became to a level of like none at all. You know, I wasn't Mm -hmm. sleeping at all. Um, not not doing things like like stretching out my whole day of like I would look back and I'm like what did I even do today yeah. I, I don't remember what I did, um and and yeah like the spells of like moods like like just supreme sadness and then like high levels of excitement it was like it was just very imbalanced at the time, and again at the time when I didn't really have a foundation I still had like. I still at home. I still had this guy next to me. Yeah. And like, we're very blessed that way. I think when things used to get kind of insane, sometimes he was the one that held me down. We were always there for each other. We had that. And that's why I really am big on like siblings. And he's, that's why he still rocks with me. You know, I think at the end of the day, even if parents don't understand you, it's really amazing to build and bond with your siblings. It's really all you have some days you know if you can't make shout, friends shout out to me shout out to kevin even though i don't really want to shout him out but you know <laughs> shout out to kev all right yeah like yeah. it's it, that's the truth though and yeah it's really how i got through it and then being able to just like talk about it with somebody like what my next move was gonna be it became easier so yeah and then making that decision to go on and do my master's was at a time where i had come around a group of people who were keen on helping the community and that's when I met Amrit that's when you and I even connected musically because Mm. we go back way farther than the music because you and Kevin have been playing soccer since you were younger and then I didn't even I didn't know you were even (laughs) rapping that that was the funny thing is because I knew you way before I ever knew that you sang way before I even started rapping so it's like me and Kevin have have played since we were kids. Your father has coached me in different levels of, of soccer. Uh, so like I've been in your household yes. and I that's kind of where why I know you so well. Right. But it, like like at that time when I was in that that limbo period, that's when you all came in my life. Yeah, really. And we built we've started building together at that moment. So. Yeah. The momentum really was incredible at the time, and I was like really empowered to then go do my own thing again. It was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Was it was it difficult to 
get support around around the mental health part? I didn't even know I had it at the time. Like I didn't even know it was so challenging because I didn't I knew what I was going through and I knew what I felt and I also knew how I viewed the world, which was really different than a lot of the people around me, like including my family members. Um, so it was it was yeah, so challenging. I didn't I was fighting with cousins at the time, like about my viewpoints and I would then I would start like crying insanely and 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 yeah, we just we didn't know how to identify it. This, and well, that's the biggest thing. I think the identification of it really mm. under like knowing what it looks like when you see it. This well, this is a time also where mental health wasn't in, in the forefront like right. it, like how it yeah. is now, right? Yeah. So like yeah. now even for somebody in their teenage years to yeah, post secondary years they have a lot more information about it now. And now everybody knows what the certain symptoms are. Like growing up in high school, I didn't know about mental health. No. I didn't know that no, shit. No. Like, yeah, you might, it might've been seeping through the school system a little bit, but it wasn't like, obviously with the world of social media now and the way the internet has become this huge thing. Now you can even Google, why am I feeling like this? Yeah. You know? And yeah. now yeah. we are in that world and God bless it for it because these are things that we need to know. Like, I started having things like anxiety attacks and stuff way later in life. And I didn't even know what the hell was going on. And then kind of now as an older adult and even working with so many people who are, are invested into educating about mental health, I've realized that, yo, this, these thoughts and these feelings that I had is coming from this brain that is so powerful that we haven't even figured out yet. And yo, maybe these are things that I can't even control because everybody wants to feel like they have supreme control of their bodies, but ultimately we don't No, Right. Because you can start thinking about like, if, if that way, why the hell would we get ever get mad? You know, if we are so powerful, why can't we just tell our brains to be happy all the time? Well, they're, they're learned. They're really, their habits that have been really, they're absorbed over time. And when you see that in, and again, our parents probably went through these things, but we didn't identify them. That has in some ways influenced us. So we've seen this habit and you then absorb that and you, you live that. That's Definitely. what that becomes. So I do think that we have supreme control over what we do think and feel. It is a matter of learning that, learning that power and understanding it from a young age you know, where we were still getting the tail ends. Like I think yeah, for yeah. our kids and the kids, the kids even younger than that. And when I see my nephews, I mean, you see it in your niece. Yeah, She's yeah. bright, free, love. You know, it's, it's a lot of things that I think a lot of kids when I was growing up, they would, you know, become very shy. Like my nephews are incredible. They're like, their skills, one of them's drawing. The other one's like, like wants to be the forefront of everything. The other one's playing basketball. Like it's amazing, their talents. And I think it's different because they're seeing us. They're seeing you on a stage. They're yeah. seeing me on a stage. They're like, that's possible. Cool. That confidence we can have. Cool. And then they know that they can have that in themselves. For sure. So no, I, yeah. I, I definitely think you're on to something. There. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So you talked a bit about how you spent some time in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you also spent some time in South Africa. Yes. How was that? And how did you, like, what were you there for? And what was that experience like? Uh, I was doing my master's research there. And so we lived there for two months. And I was there with other, other grad students at the time. And that was incredible. That really opened my eyes up to, actually, it really opened my, although, although I was doing my work there and it was, completely different and separate than from music 
I really understood how music is used as a medium for activism. Like truly, that's something that really drives activism there. Music and the arts. And um, I worked with an, an organization, the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. And they have programs that they would roll out to youth. And when I moved home, I kept in touch with them. And they had asked me to actually do the track for one of their campaigns. Oh, wow. That's dope. Which was really cool. So I worked with a local artist from afar. Thank the shout out to technology. And I was able to record a track with this local artist when I got home. And it was very conscious about um, about. Po- the, being in the post-apartheid era and how to rebuild communities. Uh, whereabouts were you in South Africa? Cape Town. Cape Town. Okay, yeah. so is that like the capital? It's one of like major the, cities. Yeah, yeah it's one I mean, of. It is the biggest city. No, J- Johannesburg is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was we're on pretty the, shit at geography. Let's not trust But I was on the I was on the Eastern Cape point. Um, and it, again, just it was an incredible experience, eye-opening, just to life outside of here. Um, and I, I did fall into a again a really like I was overwhelmed when I got back to New York. I was overwhelmed, and I moved back uh, to Toronto shortly after. It was overwhelming because you just see what people do with so little. Mm-hmm, it was yeah. so inspiring in that way, um, how they how they how they become so motivated by what they don't have. And I, I think the one thing I really took home from there, um, and again, I see it amongst ourselves here. We come back to Ramsey and we see it again with ourselves in a, in a large community. When you have something, an entity, a person who's being an oppressor, and you absorb that and then do that amongst yourselves, you cannot rise above that. And I saw that on my last day in South Africa mm-hmm. when I was in a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. I saw a woman in a hijab and a, a black woman and they were fighting about who was next in the lineup and started fist fighting using awful racial slurs and for me i looked at it i'm like fuck i just thought, done two months of work here like no. trying to believe that this is going to get better seeing that it's getting better but if you see hierarchy amongst yourselves you can't overcome what you're trying to overcome you know which is which is yeah the oppression that you've experienced so when we look at when we were talking before about you know why do we see this in our in our communities here i took that home and i was like yeah we have to dismantle that has to stop amongst women you have to stop that amongst you know racial minorities um any community that's been oppressed you cannot be fighting within you will never rise you have to band together and only then can you really become strong enough and so unified that you propel yourselves forward. You become conditioned. Absolutely. From a macro level to a micro level, mm-hmm. and you start to internalize it. Absolutely. So when you came back from South Africa, mm-hmm. did kind of that activism come into your music, or did it change your music in any way? It, it continued. It, it just, I think it continued to motivate me um, to speak to those things, to be involved in events like we've been able to do in a community like Brampton. Um, and just again, speaking to like an inter- on the international level as well, um, I that's important. That will always be something that I put the music to, like that I I give music to for those kinds of initiatives. It's important. That's yeah. dope. Like I find it for myself. Like every time I travel, I'm so inspired yeah. to create, and that's one of those things. It's 
whether you see poverty, whether you see beautiful places, like everything is inspiring. You have to live to be able to create art, right? Like that's something that we forget, right? It's like if you just stay in your room and you're trying to make music, like what are you going to talk about, right? And that's kind of the state of music nowadays. Like, you know, it's a bunch of kids that are, Fucking mumbling, yeah. mumble rapping, right? I hate to touch yeah. on it. Like, yeah. it is what it is. But when you when you go out and you see stuff, that's why music is such a powerful device, right? Like, even something such as hip-hop, it was created to give a voice for the voiceless, right? It was, a, it was created with activism and all this and to share certain stories. And that's even other genres did that. Before hip-hop, there was jazz. Before that, there was all sorts of genres, right? But it, it, it's, it's definitely seeing something out of your bubble is always going to be good for you as a creative artist because that's where inspiration comes from at least for me that did you find that with absolutely. with some of your travels i absolutely i think yeah we just spoke to that in that way it 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 motivates you in a way again it opens your eyes and it gives you a different perspective that you can inject into the music as an artist as a writer you're writing about the things that you see and what you experience so absolutely it's the inspiration i think it becomes the foundation of it almost dope all right so i guess i think after you came back from new york that's when uh you had a couple of of big wins for yourself Mm career-wise um i think you know talk a little bit about um how you got into the the film game and the Mm -hmm. soundtrack game i yeah it started i had connected with folks uh that were creating films filmmakers in our community producers in our community that were doing tracks for big films uh, some Bollywood, actually, even though I don't, I've never really watched a Bollywood <laughs> film in my life. I've watched Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. That's uh, well, it. who hasn't? Yeah, I've yeah, watched that goddamn movie. Even I have. That's <laughs> the only Yo, one Kev I has know. that on replay yeah. till this day. Don't lie. It's a classic. That's the only <laughs> one. It's a fucking classic. <laughs> Kev likes spitting shot across girls. Yeah, I swear you. That's your first date thing, no? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 don't steal my game. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, we're gonna keep the game under wraps. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I was doing, I was, was doing that just before I left New York, and then was able to do it while I was there from afar, and came back, and um, yeah, I was able to actually appear in some of that film, in some of those films. Oh, um, uh, so what? Like, I know you did. Uh, Doctor Cabby. Yeah. Cabby. Yes, yeah. yes. So how how was like that experience like? That was a really cool experience because I didn't, I was playing myself and the scene was with Cardinal. Yeah, Michelle. yeah, that, that is Shout fucking dope Shout out to Cardinal. You know, I mean, he's Shout out to Cardinal, man. Right? Roll yeah. through to the, the Brampton right? basement and fucking sit down with yes. us, bro. The OG. Right, <laughs> really is. So, yeah, what was that experience like? Like, did, have you ever done anything, like, been no. in a movie at that point or? Never on a film set like that, no. To so, that scale? No, to that scale, no. Yeah, smaller ones for sure, but no, it was amazing. And... Um, yeah, and then being able to like do some of the music for that film as well. Um, again, it was really dope. I was, I was actually going through like your Spotify today, and so many of the songs that are like popping are the ones off that. And I'm like, I'm like, you haven't heard any of yeah, these, yeah. like you know, I'm like I, I know all the, the the my Selena classics, but like those aren't my Selena classics. Yeah. Like my nephew from England messaged me, he's like, Selena Messi, I love these songs, and I'm like, oh, darling, man, I don't even, <laughs> I don't listen to those songs, and not that uh, it was just in a different space. No, yeah, it's like you know? yo, it's the same thing. Like we're 
we are in the middle of doing something for an uh, indie film, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, now you have to, it's not like you're just going off your own emotions. Right. You have to create something for whatever they want to visually represent, project, yeah, right? It's so it's like, yeah. you yeah. have to find yeah. that inspiration yeah. and whatever the fuck, and that might not be your life. Yes. But w- w- as a musician, that's something that you have to do in life. You have to yeah. do things that may not be as comfortable as other things. But how was that experience for you? Like... It was it was really challenging and walking away from it I was I didn't feel the greatest because it wasn't my best work because I was really trying to tick the boxes of someone else's checklist for a track. So say this, sound like this. When I was doing like my Selena thing and like doing riffs and stuff, they were like, "No, we're going to we'd like to take that out of the track." Yeah. You know, it was that kind of thing and i'm like what like that's my that's my sound though yeah, this yeah. is what i do and they're like no we just want you know it w- they wanted more pop and that was the first time i was really being told what to do in that realm so it became a job and i think for me now looking back and i know when i go into projects now when it feels like work when it feels like a job it's not my best work it's when it's coming from a real authentic honest place and so I mean, it was an incredible experience and I appreciate it so much. And it's just let me know the kinds of things I want to keep getting into and what I want to be supported by. So I want to work with people who really support the authenticity of yeah. my sound or the vibe and will encourage that and see and, and then want that a part of their project more than like me going in a space and then. You know, I'm it, literally you're like a session writer. Yeah. You know, you're just going in and you're that's that's your client and you're doing that kind of thing. And it's great. It's an awesome opportunity. It taught me so much um, just on the back end, like when we were ma- mastering and stuff. I was in the room for those mixing sessions and stuff. So that was dope. But as a as a as a portfolio and, and a por- like a portfolio item and something to put on your roster yeah of course. yeah it, you, it, 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 and that's the yeah. thing right yeah. like yeah it's you should do things that you are not comfortable Absolutely. with right and yeah you have to explore every every avenue and yet that's a big look for somebody who is trying to figure out what their voice is yeah. in this game right yeah it might not be ultimately the sound and thing that yeah. you wanted to do but as an artist, every artist ends up being in a limbo where they're doing something where they don't yeah. want to do. And you kind of have to do that at some point to, to learn, you, right? Learn? And and that's the thing. It's like when I when I heard some of these songs and I, I listened to them today, that's the only reason I'm talking <laughs> about it, right? Because I, I legit listened to them today because I'm like, maybe I should do a little bit of research, <laughs> yeah. like, you know? And then, uh, and then I was like, host. I was like, this is so not Selena, yeah. but I get it. Yeah. I 100% yeah. get it, right? Yeah. But it's like, I would have fucking done that. Hell yeah. I would have yeah. fucking jumped on a Bollywood track. I mean, the Bollywood, the like, Bollywood song man. that I did, like Katrina Kaif is lip syncing. Exactly. Lip syncing so, the lyrics. So in that it's sense, incredible. you are getting shown to way more yeah. people than you ever would. You're getting eyes on it. and But then it's like, it's still not you, right? Yeah, and as, yeah. as, a, as the artist within you is still saying, yo, fuck this shit. I want to I wanna be able, like you said, you were trying to do extra shit and Not they're like that. no yeah. tone your ass down yeah. because we don't we'll need to all put that you in a box. Right? Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. which is what movie people end up doing exactly. anyways right and it, and it taught me just to how, the, how the industry works like oh, I, yeah. that's where I got the dose of it so if there's anything you know that I could pass on to someone who was getting into that it's like have some representation know what you're getting yourself into you know understand a contract before you even 
do anything in recording because at the end of the day when you're getting into that it's not just me you and Noi sitting down and we're making a track at our house and we're chilling this is now you're dealing with people's time and budget and all kinds of things and if you don't understand those things you can get taken for a ride so it gave me that taste and dose of it and I, I again I was really fortunate to work with some people who are really awesome in that process who are very honest and open but it might not always be the case every time you know there were times where I did get kind of screwed a little bit too and it's important to um, to to learn from that, yeah. And uh, like, yeah. I feel like we should talk about like the the because we talked about the creative aspect mm-hmm. of it. But like, how was something like? Was there contracts for that? I'm guessing there were contracts for that. And like, was that a fruitful thing in that stage of your career? Or, like, did it give you money that you may not have seen for music yeah. at that point? Like, can you share a little bit about that? For sure. Well, the fir- the first situation I was in. Uh, it wasn't very positive in that sense of the contract situation um got a little bit messy because i didn't know what to ask for what to do and i didn't see the money that i was owed and i still haven't seen it um yeah it was like peanuts in comparison to what i know that song did it was actually my friend, a homie who was a producer, was out in India and he's like, yo, your song is in a movie and Katrina Kiff is like, yeah. you know, on your, and there's music videos and they're playing it in the club and I'm like, what? And I hadn't signed a damn line, you yeah. know? So uh, immediately I just like, I think because I, I have a really strong mom, she's always told me to like, you know, be really empowered. I knew to ask for it at that point. So I got on the phone, asked for what I needed to. But again, I didn't have a lawyer. And didn't have all those things by my side to really get everything I needed. So for the second opportunity that came my way, I was very upfront and explained, this is what I dealt with before. I'm not dealing with that again. We're going to have everything kind of in writing before we even get the songs going. And so that was awesome. And yeah, I, I definitely saw the the uh, financials and the benefits of that like did it you worked see any, out well. any pushback in that regard because now you're standing up for yourself yeah and people don't necessarily expect that from yeah artists, right so did yeah. you get any resistance from that like oh snap like she knows what we're trying to what we're trying to do and you know she's on to our game in that sense yeah well the what well, the first situation yeah I, like i got a call immediately when i was very firm like i'm gonna have to take action otherwise uh you know legally if i if you don't call me back kind of thing so really quickly i got the uh i got an answer back and with the second experience yeah it was again they understood and because i laid that foundation out there i didn't ever feel disrespected um when we were creating the music you know it was very open i was told what i was getting it was yeah it was really cool can you talk a little bit about uh songwriting because you you said you did a lot of covers when you were younger and even getting into the film industry, you're writing for someone else's vision. Yeah. Or you're even given lyrics to sing. Um, I guess, when did you really get into to songwriting and exploring that part of yourself? I was songwriting in high school. So I had friends who were getting into like beat making. And I was able to test it out on, and on that. And I was always keeping journals, I think, and... and um, you know, just writing poetry in a way. So for me, that was happening, but I wasn't really sharing that. I was only comfortable really seeing other people's songs for a while. And then when I was in, at Mac, that's when we started to write our own songs. And I understood that I had a knack for doing that and started nurturing that a lot more when I was in New York. And then when I came back and I felt a lot more empowered to start really sharing my work, um, 
and because it, it was just coming out of me like it was something I couldn't even I can't really explain I think you can attest to this sometimes and you the ta- the words just flow and mm-hmm. you know that that's what you need to say and you know that there's a purpose in that and so I continue to nurture it at that point more it's hard, so. it's hard yeah. to get to that level though yeah because I think I like for personally I've been writing rhymes for years and years but it took me a really long time yeah. to even feel comfortable to to say a rhyme in front of another person, even if it was my best friend. Yeah. Like, so did you feel like how long did it take you? Or how did you build up that confidence to be able to share a piece of yourself? Because now it's all you like the, the lyrics are you, the melody, yeah. everything is all you. Whereas before you could kind of hide behind. You can still convey that emotion, but yeah. you're still hiding behind someone else's words. Right. I had, again, really good people around me that were encouraging me to do it. So that made a difference. I think it's about the company you keep. And and yeah, I had, again, I was working with JJ at that time. He was like, yeah, you can do this. Write a hook. Let's put this on. And then when you start to see it and you start to hear it at a party, you're like, oh, damn, like mm. people like it. You know, it's validating in a way. We are all, we are all seeking validation at, in some way through whatever we pursue. So having that really helped empower me to continue to do it but I have felt the most struggle in that now I would say in the last few years Mm -hmm. of writing and being able to really put out what I'm going through because I think to some degree even when I was writing um, even writing for like personal projects or my friends projects there was still a part of me holding back and there has still been a part of me even up till a few years ago holding back on tracks there's like one song, which is fuck, that I went yeah. I went out on and it was because it was coming from a real place and a real time of something that I was going through. So um I, and and I and I, I go back to that. I always think about like that time. I need to pull that out of me again. And that's the challenge. I, I do find it challenging. But again, it's standing in your power. It's it's knowing what you wanna say and then just doing it or not even having to know it but just doing it because it's your therapy and that's that's what comes out on the song so it's going back to that place in my mind when I feel like I'm oh shoot I need to be pleasing it or pleasing someone to you know uh, you know with these words or um or will someone like this or you know what what not and and thinking of that validation it's like okay, validating myself at that point. Like, this is what feeds me. This is what I like. This is what I needed to hear. And in some way, that does resonate with other people the way those songs did mm-hmm. when it came from a real place. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that song, at least from for myself, just as a listener, mm-hmm. it kind of marked the change in the type of music you were putting out. Yeah. Because before, you had tracks like Bang Bang, which were dope. Mm-hmm. But when the fuck track came out, like that was, it was so raw. Mm-hmm. It was so very honest and it's coming from a really deep and personal place. Yeah. You know, as a Punjabi woman, as a Sikh woman, you know, did you ever get any backlash from the community for presenting some of these songs or any, anything like that? Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I don't, I don't, even with fuck, even though there was a lot of cursing in it, I didn't really experience it that way. I felt like it was more to do with how I looked in some ways. Mm-hmm. I, I felt a bit of a, a challenge in that regard. I don't know if you remember when we did the first one lines for, were you at that yeah. first one? Yeah, I was there, yeah. Okay. Somebody told me this thing and I, I haven't, I saw it when I saw a video back Oh, not too long ago there was like I was wearing a, a sleeveless shirt it's a tank top okay 
fully like my head pant jeans on whatever high heels and some guy from the audience came and put a t-shirt on the stage oh wow and oh, i saw I it Do you, I so that. i saw that as something like he was like i thought it was it was something out of like respect like he was giving me something but someone then later on said no he was telling you to like put that shirt on like you should be dressed differently and that was the first time I had dealt with that because, again, I was so used to just doing my own thing in my own space, whatever. And when I was performing now for my own community, like a room just full of our community, I experienced that, like that little bit of of judgment, mm-hmm. of judgment in a way. So that weighed on me for a little bit. I even actually during that time grew my hair a little bit longer in that time. And then when I think I had had like enough of a lot of things, I that that was my expression. This mm-hmm. is what you see is an expression of yeah. like I had always had short hair. I'd cut my hair when I was 14 and kind of grown it like I've, I've that's what I see here as an expression. But um, it really um, that weighed on me for a little bit, too. When I look back, I, it was in, I was insecure. I remember even when we did the Alma Combo show. Do you remember when we did that? Yeah. yeah. I wore those sequin shorts. I was going to write a post about it today, but. I wore sequin shorts and the guy was like, it's not a good look for a Punjabi girl to be rocking that shit. And again, that (laughs) stuff weighed on me because I'm like, I'm, my mother is here. My mom's okay with this. My parents don't care. They, they raise me like they, they've clothed me my whole life. It's not a big deal. Why do you see it as some deal? You know, like I'm just doing me. It's not taking away from anything. I'm not saying anything harmful, you know, or it's something that would, you know, harm people. But for some reason, again, it's this judgment that gets placed on I think Punjabi women specifically and it really weighed on me so for the first time I wore shorts that's the very first time I've worn shorts since that gig because I've been so insecure and this is now after years of reclaiming my power like Mm -hmm. really standing in it I've worked with someone who's helped me to do that and um yeah it's it's that whole again it's been a whole path it's been like the last five years of of having that power and then watching even like standing outside myself and watching myself give it away almost to people and then having to like take it back and be like no this is what i'm about this is what i came to do and this is what i'm gonna do me and kevin we grew up playing soccer and that was something that your father was really good at but that's something that he also made sure that you were good at as yeah. well. You were the boy. He yeah. couldn't really force Selena into soccer. Yeah. She might have been greasy. He I don't know. Say, he did say, if, I, if this cheeses me, he's like, if you were a boy, you would have you been an amazing soccer player. I'm like, yeah. what does it matter? Right. I'm a girl. Right. I can still be good. But I, yeah, no, he, he, saw the, he saw the potential of it in a guy because it's of so, course. it's obviously so much more like, supported. Yeah. Exists, yeah. Right? So much yeah. more supported, yeah. Yeah, but um, so what what are your childhood memories like within yeah. soccer and just being around your dad because he was so passionate about it? I mean, it. It, it was different for me following that dream because, I mean, we touched on it before, like, because my dad was so active about it, he put way more pressure on me than, because Selena didn't have that singer in there, so it, it was kind of like a, looked upon as a bit more 
like different, right? But yeah. in my situation, man, like there was a lot more pressure on me because of my pops. He was, it's like he was living his dream vicariously through me. Yeah, well, right? it's something that he knew and he knew really yeah, well. He's exactly. played at it, top and I get, level. Yeah, and, and it, come on, like when we have kids, when we grow up, I'm gonna okay, do we're going exactly to push shit. that shit out of our kids. But <laughs> the problem was yeah. is that I was, wasn't was a good player. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like when I was growing up, it, I, I, I was... I was shite, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, that was kind of like the, you know, it brought upon me, like, a, a, you know, a lot of insecurities, like, even just playing with with uh, uh, with uh, different people and things like that. But it also made me think that, and it made me learn not to give a fuck about what anybody thinks of me and just keep going. And that's you know a hard saying? thing to do in childhood years. Yeah, I'm sure man. it took you I'm a few you, years man. to get to that point. Of course, of course. Like, my child, like, under 10, I, I was bad. Like, I was bad, and, and I couldn't do it. But, I mean, my dad put a lot of pressure on me, a lot of pressure on me. But, again, everything takes hard work, if you, and you'll be good at it, right? But, I mean, growing up, man, my dad was – and that's the one thing I, we need to tell parents is, like, you can't put that much pressure on your kids. Like, yeah. yes, uh, you know, nurture that talent. Please yeah, yeah. nurture that talent, you know? But at the end of the day, uh, before 10 years old, just let that kid be free, man. Let that kid be free. Experience, yeah. experience – every single thing about like what's going on in that and, and then you'll they'll develop their their weaknesses their like strengths yeah. then then after 10 work on that then you work on that and be like hey this is your weaknesses this is it then we not now we start learning but before then just let that kid be free in all sports in basketball like all of it just let him be free you know put pressure on him you know even uh even with my brother now like my exactly. my, my niece my niece uh, like told him like she doesn't want to play soccer you right and that was something that a back then I thought it would crush him, right? Yeah. But he realized, he's like, yo, she's so good at so many other things that she's actually interested and passionate in. Yeah. Who am I to force something, yeah. right? Like, Sonny pushed me a lot in, oh, yeah. in soccer, but in some sense, because he was handicapped, he was vicariously living through me. He yeah. wanted, he cared so much about the game, but he wasn't able to play the game. You understood so, it. So yeah. he, but he understood it, so he yeah. pushed me. And yeah, like you said, with your with your dad, it sometimes it rubs you the wrong way. And yeah. when in your in your younger years, now yeah. that I'm older, I'm just like, yo, these guys are doing this for our own good. Yeah. But when you're young and you're vulnerable, you're not thinking of them putting pressure on you as a good thing. You're thinking, why are they doing this? Like yeah. this isn't fun anymore, yeah. right? And what what are some of your early memories? Like because your dad was oh, an excellent player growing up, yeah. but also. He was a lot of your coaches. Well, he yeah. was one of your main coaches was, growing up. Okay, yeah, definitely. He was probably, like, the best coach I've ever had, for sure, you know? And and then, uh, but, man, like, when I was coaching with, like, when he was coaching me, I would be one of the first people he would bench. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because And it wouldn't be the times where, like, and it wouldn't be like, hey, you're, you're the coach's son, you get in the team, no problem, you know? Yeah. He would always bench me first because he would try to prove a point to the whole team that so, hey, yeah that it, there's no know? favors for anybody exactly and, and and you know I went through that growing up like oh man that was that I mean that was tough but hey I deserve I deserved it like I, I deserve the uh, to be benched hey it, it also taught me like valuable lessons but I wish he would just have it's the way he communicated with certain things to me yeah, you yeah. Know? even when I was bad like communicate hey you're bad and you can improve on this he would just yeah. say. You're shy. You, know, you, you, you didn't play well today. Well, you don't your run dad's a lot, right? Like he's like yeah. he, you know he's like typical British. Yeah. You know, loves football. Yeah. So it's like, it, and I saw it too. I was coached by your father too. He gives you that tough love, right? Exactly. And exactly, the older yeah. I got, the more it didn't rub me the wrong way. But I, but I, but I remember certain like early teenage years where I'm like, yo, man. 
like what the hell i'm trying and you don't get it and you, 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 don't, you don't, don't get, get it, it. right but it's like and that's the thing it that age. it's different for different kids some yeah. kids might react to that in a good way and some kids it could make them worse right yeah, yeah. It, and it all depends on depending on the kid but in hindsight looking back like everything he said made sense exactly you know even just something like time management and and, and something like that like yeah. i used to say like what the what hell the are you fuck talking does that about have to do with time the game? management yeah. i'm now this age and i'm like holy shit it's got everything to do with that my life has everything to do with time management you know like just by playing soccer he, he put me into this thing like i was like yo no way this is true but man like that's one of the most valuable things I've learned in my life. Yeah. It's time management. Definitely. Because, like, man, it's, it, it, it is, yeah, like I said, it is a, it's a valuable thing. But no, yeah, like, uh, your dad your dad always put lessons he's, with he's everything, a, yeah, right? And yeah. he's, a, he's so passionate, like, and that's what happens when somebody is so passionate. Sometimes they might even get lost in being so passionate, right? Because they got their yeah. blinders on, and yeah. that's the same way my brother was, yeah. like, he would be the first guy to tell me how to shit game. Yeah. You know, even when probably it would have been better if he just rubbed my back and said, yo, you'll be better next time. And that's what they don't realize. <laughs> they don't realize. That, that's what they don't realize. Hey, I just needed a pat on the back. Tell me the next day, hey, you you, you, you played bad, this yeah. and that. But right then and then, I didn't need the, you're, the, you're the throwdown. Every, yo, you know? As kids, we are in such a vulnerable state. Like, yeah, uh, I get it. You're supposed to toughen your child. And, and sports is just like real life. It, yeah. Once you get into the working world, nobody's going to baby you yeah and it's the same thing with sports like we were blessed to play with adults since like 14 15 exactly and that yeah. was yeah pretty much based yeah. off us being mentally ready yeah. right and you know what i, I it, there's some good points in it but there's also there's there's ways of doing it. See, I agree. Right? I, I, I've always agreed with doing that at, in, teenage, in teenage in teenage years. years. In teenage years, run that. They of should course. be pushed to the fullest extreme and be hard on them. Then you yeah. know they should be hard because they can take it. Yeah. But as a kid, nurture everything for that kid and let that kid be free because yo, that's what he wants. That's what they want to do. They yeah, want to yeah. be free. You know. So like we both grew up playing rep in the rep system in Brampton, and then like kind of when you went to high school, you kind of start realizing yo, there's the potential of going to university and stuff like that like back then at least there wasn't ever a thought of yo we can make it to europe it was yeah, a very yeah. Yeah. very limited thing yeah there was certain teams going on tours to europe and this that but we weren't hearing of many no. canadian kids getting signed to professional clubs it was more so yo so and so went to this university yeah um so like kind of when you get into your teenage years are you starting to realize there is possibilities of making this a full-time thing yeah like I, I i started seeing guys that are older than me kind of doing it and they were of different ethnicities right they were yeah. all like the portuguese guys the the spanish guys that were doing it you know and and i started to realize that man this could be something that a could pay for my education yeah. and b maybe i could i could dream even bigger and go and, and do europe you know because i'm seeing these kids why can't i do it yeah you know why can't we do it if i just worked a little harder i could easily do it you know it's very attainable but I mean, just because we don't see our, our images, we can still do it. We're all human beings. We can still run it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, in high school, for sure, I started realizing the potential that, hey, I could do this. I could if, if I just, you know, kind of worked hard on my on my uh, high school, but I, I didn't do that. But Yeah, yeah. yeah no, right? but, like, the thing is, when you're in Europe, 
there's a scout coming around to your yeah. to your school yeah. team, right? Yeah. So it's not like they have to go out of their way to figure it out. So like the whole system of Canadian soccer is um, like years behind. Of course, of course, right? Of you course, yeah. and but now it, obviously now it's getting a, let, a lot better. Back when me and you were playing, there was no TFC Academy no. like there is now. There wasn't many options. The only real option that was feasible at that time was. Uh, university yeah. like there obviously there's the likes we grew up playing with the likes of Junior Hoylet who now plays for Cardiff in the Premier League yeah. shout out and to Tremaine yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out to shout Tremaine out to who, is, brother, who yeah, is actually yeah. his brother yeah. and it's it's funny like I didn't even know that till way later in life yeah, but that, like yeah. that was the only real person within we touching distance that we knew that made it over there yeah. right yeah did you ever think like you would be going to university for it? Because you do end up going to university yeah. on a scholarship and stuff like that. So how was that? Like, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't see myself going to university uh, before, like around like 15, 16. I didn't. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to go to England after high school. I really did, you know. So uh, I wanted to go pro. I had that pro mentality. I was trying to work hard at it. But, I mean, when I got to about 18, I started realizing that, hey, my dad and told me that hey no one takes your education away from you yeah. so that is always a standard first and then you can go after it and, and do your your pro soccer so i mean the one thing at, at 18 like i wish i had somebody like me telling me this now man so yeah. so like just by getting to university like get yourself out there you don't need to rely on anybody to do that you don't need to like i i literally started just emailing coaches emailing coaches when i saw it was attainable yeah. i did it myself yeah. just do it. It, it it's it's very easy to do you know people like kids are, are so scared to take that next step like hey i don't know how to get i don't know how to get to the ncaa how do i do that yeah. it's so easy man just reach out they'll respond to you you know what i'm saying so luckily i i kind of started realizing that hey man like I could do this. This is not that hard. Now I'm getting response from coaches. All I did it was make a soccer resume because I didn't know how to make a video or yeah. anything like that. I made a soccer resume, threw my picture on there, and send it out like crazy. Well, I know? remember back in the days when we were growing up playing soccer, it was, oh, you have to be with a certain coach and a certain exactly. team, and they're going to take you across the border to play these certain tournaments where you're going to be able to get eyes on you, right? Yeah. But ultimately, the older you get and when, when you realize that that European dream is not attainable, then put out the footage. Like nowadays, we're living in a multimedia yeah, world, course, right? Yeah. Get somebody to record your games. Yeah. Send that little highlight reel out to different universities. You don't need to spend thousands of thousands of dollars to to even join teams like how it is now. That, it's become a money grab, right? Exactly. And that's what people don't realize. They don't. Re they think that they have to play for the top teams in order to get to the NCAA, but it's not true. You can do your own work. Like You don't have to spend the money even to get people to do the video or whatnot. You can literally just do it yourself. It's so easy to do it yourself. And, and man, like you can just get a whole list of emails, send it out, have a template of an email and send yeah. it all out. And it's so easy to get it because you'll all get responses. Like I got all my, all my NCAA offers. I got all my NCAA, off most of my NCAA offers from me just doing that versus yeah. me going to tournaments. I went to two different tournaments. I got maybe one offer or yeah. two offers or something like that. But me just putting my name out there, I got multiple offers uh, like, Hey, come out for a, a trip or whatever and things like that. So Man, the best thing to do is just work hard for yourself. You know, it's like it's so attainable, man. It, it's easy. So, um, where do you end up getting accepted to, and how was that feeling? Yeah, so I mean, like finally getting that, you know, acceptance. To I went to Pittsburgh uh, first for for a year and a half, and then I transferred over to Buffalo. But I mean, going to Pittsburgh, that was literally 
it, the best experience of my entire life. Like those four years of going away and being around people, being forced around people with different ethnicities, different culture, different backgrounds. You're forced to be around these kids that like that, you know, you learn so much about. And thank God I got out of Brampton and I learned that now I come back. I'm so different than my friends that I grew up with yeah. because like it's crazy how much you learn when yeah, you're on you have your a own, broader view you know? of the world it's once amazing, you leave man yeah exactly it's amazing it's amazing doing that and you know i encourage everyone to definitely do it get get it because it's it's out of your comfort level you know yeah. once you get out of your comfort level you have to start learning you have to start kind of uh, dealing with shit on your own you know what i'm saying so it forced me to do that it forced me to be in the element and that was the best experience i've ever been to man it was a, it, so how are those parties like <laughs> I got a girlfriend now. No, all right, no all right, all right. we're gonna cut this shit right here. Right. Um, yeah, so that that's dope. It's like you, it, it wasn't easy for you. You weren't the fucking greatest student, no. right? Yeah. And but you're like, fuck it. For this reasoning, you have coaches looking into you. You're like, yo, just buckle down, get some type of grades, and yeah. let me just get the fuck out of here and do something that I love doing. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and and I mean, I, right when I started realizing that hey, I could do it, I was about probably around sixteen. I signed up for my SATs right away. I, I flunked it the first time. I did yeah. so bad. It, like, they, like But it's a hard test. Yeah, it's a four-hour test. It's a hard test. But if I can do it, I'm telling you, anybody can do it, man. <laughs> so, and then, and then I, you know, I, I studied just a little bit. You know, I studied a little bit. I, I put a little bit of time, time and effort into it, and I went back again and, and ended up doing pretty decent. But, again, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Like, you just got to do a little, very minimal research and doing it. And then once you have your score – you just send it, you do a mass, you know, send out and you'll get responses, man. Coaches are looking for kids like us, you know. So, I mean, you'll get responses, no doubt now. Another, like, dope thing that I, like, you know, that I saw while you were out there is when you have, like, your homecoming game or some shit. I don't know what it is, but, like, senior your family night, comes. Senior night. Senior yeah, night. Yeah. So, I remember seeing, like, a picture of your dad rocking, like, a jacket yeah, with the yeah. logo of the university I, you were there, your mom was there, and, like, you know, your family's there, just like how they were out for Selena's concert. Oh, what yeah. did that feel like? Oh, man, uh, that was definitely, and I posted it on Instagram, man, no. that was literally, the uh, like, the most memorable game I've ever been in because, uh, like, that year I was playing center back, wasn't scoring that many goals, and then, um, so it was a senior night. So yeah. you're a senior player. You've been there for four years. And then you get to walk out with your family and the walk out and do a national anthem with your family. So it's a special event. It's a special event for just the seniors, right? Yeah. So just the seniors. So uh, it's a way to like, yeah, say congratulations, seniors, you're done. So uh, they were just taking their seats in the stadium and as they were just sitting down, in 53 seconds, I ended up scoring right away. Okay. You know, yeah, a little header, you know? Yeah, it so, must yeah, have been a yeah, shit goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when do I score headers? Uh, yeah. When do I score headers? No, you're right. so that's, that. that's my forte. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. so, I mean, that was definitely the most memorable game I've ever been a part of, man. And and that that's what made, you know, all that hard work and all that bullshit. Like, it yeah. made it so, so worth it, man. To have your family there, to watch you play in front of some fans, you know, it made it. You're it made captain. It, and I was, oh yeah, yeah, I was a captain. Right. I was a captain, you know. Man's yeah. a captain, I was eh? A captain, eh? <laughs> uh, Selena, so how was that like? You know, your brother supported you through your career of music, always been there for you. Now you get to see something that your brother has worked pretty much his whole life for, and seeing the fruits of his labor. What did that make you feel like being on the sidelines, seeing him? Were you proud? Yeah. Obviously, you were, but how did it feel? I was so, yeah, I was so proud, and just again knowing everything that he's been through and him finally having that courage and and coming into his own on the field it was amazing i was in new york at the time and flew home 
just to be there for that yeah, game. He had no me. idea what, what a coming. sister. What a sister you But like, I had to be there. I had to be there because yeah, yeah. I know where he's come from. He wasn't even good at one point. He yeah. wasn't even going to continue playing at one no, point. He worked his ass He was off. about to pack it in. So the fact that he had got to that point and it was a big night and I knew it meant a lot being his last year and he was captain, all that jazz. Like, it was really awesome. And, Man, we were we were so I I hadn't even I was trying to find my seat and I'm like oh uh, shit he just scored like I remember that yeah, goal. Your dad must have gone nuts, eh? Yeah. He did. He was like <laughs> he, he is for those like, very uh, and yeah. half our li- no ninety percent of our listeners not gonna know who Paul Dillon is, yeah. but your dad is like he's the ultimate soccer yeah. slash football fan like it's religion yeah. in our it's house. Re- it, it is religion. right like yeah. you guys grew up in a house yeah. being west ham supporters yeah. you know it's go pretty terrible Lions. for go you guys you but Lions. you know i won't judge you yeah. but your dad is like the most passionate person so yeah. i could only imagine he went absolutely buck when oh, you scored man, yeah. Yeah. That's, he like did I, like but I said, he also yeah. like with kevin i think he also keeps it cool does, <laughs> he doesn't want to praise him he doesn't yeah. want to praise him too much yeah like, knock life, man. there are times where he would like you know him and kevin when he was coaching kevin when you guys were teenagers yeah. and you know kevin would go out with his friends after he'd come home and we'd be like how do you play and he's you played brilliant. You, played, you know, <laughs> then he would come home and he'd be like, "Yeah, it was good, but you know, this isn't that." Like I'm like, "Tell him, yeah, like, tell yeah. him all the things." But he's like, had the coach hat on, you know. So of course, seeing like, yeah, just being there for that night was, yeah, pretty dope. Yeah, that was dope to have you there. You were all right, it was pal. But yeah, is that hard? Like when you're growing up, like sometimes you just want him to be dad, but he's still in coach mode. hundred percent. And to be honest with you, like. uh soccer was a big part of our relationship you know like outside of that it was it was hard to like vibe with him in in a certain way but man i did 100 percent. just wanted to be dad but he always had for me like throughout my whole life it was always coach mode we were always talking about footy we always it was always coach mode so i mean that is something that i kind of wanted a different type of relationship even just to talk about other other stuff growing up you know that would have been cool too you know but i mean my dad is still he's still the man he's like he's like my homie now you know just because i had that soccer I can kick it and have a beer with them and, and, and talk about footy. So it's, it, it, it is a blessing, but yeah, you're right. Like I, as I like somebody time. who like knows your family from a very early stage, like, you know, to see the relationship that both of you have with your father now yeah. and your mother, it, it's amazing. Like yeah. you're, you guys live in that such a loving blessed, household yeah. that yeah, everybody, everybody's family through different stages in their life goes through rocky shit. But the obviously the respect that they your parents have for you guys and that you guys have for them likewise it, it's a beautiful thing to see and i think full circle when you become an adult and they no longer have that hold that they did on you right because after a certain point they realize you are the human you are yeah. and that's a big thing you man. know Just it's a big thing and yo thing, i yeah. find that so beautiful like now that i can like I could have sat down and had a beer with my dad probably from the age of 18, but out of respect, I didn't do, start doing it till probably yeah. late in my 20s, right? Yeah. And now the fact that I can have it comfortably and he now he offers me the beer. And that's yeah. the respect factor that I always wanted is yeah. I didn't want to be the kid that says, hey, dad, have a brew have with a beer, me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it, that wasn't us. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like, I'm going to wait till the day my dad wants to drink with me. Yeah. And now it's like we have such a beautiful relationship. We talk about yeah. everything in life. And it, it, it's a shame that it takes us this long to get to that point, right? But it, that is life. That yeah. is, you're not going to understand what they went through, and they're not going to understand you until you're able to be completely transparent with yeah. them, right? At yeah. least it happens, period. They do mean the best for us, so try to always have that in your head. And you know? they do the best with what they have at the time. Yeah, and course. that's yeah. where our 
compassion has to come into play, you know, and understanding that. And again, like they were just like, we were kind of like test, they're, they're tests at, at, at one point. And I think when they learn so much from what, how they raised us, it's different when they're raising their grandkids or the way my dad's now coaching other kids. Like he takes a different approach than he did with Kevin in a lot of ways. He's not as hard on the younger kids, but yeah, with the teenagers, he still pushes them. He's still trying to inspire them. It's different though when he had you guys to kind of test that on, yeah. you know, and like you to learn from. You should see Again, him. I know, evolution. I've heard. Kevin tells evolution. me he's a whole this new guy, man. This yeah. guy is like, they, 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 his team just lost like 10 2 the other day. Yeah. And you know, the next game, he's like, guys, you know, forget about that game. You guys are good players. <laughs> no, Enjoy the game. The I'm shit like, talk we would have gotten if we ever lost 10 This guy would have crucified us if we crucified us for like We would have fucking ran laps that whole next practice if we ever lost 10 2. Paul Dillon is going better, soft. But it's better. But, no you know, way. but it's better now. But like he's he's getting better yeah, reaction no, out of good, out it's out good. Out it's no, crazy. he realized. You know? He realized. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. When he you coaches, can, you he's can, different though. You know, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's like yo, Paul Dillon does the fucking get your fucking. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like that type of yeah. shit. And yo, as a teenager, that shit motivates you, exactly. right? But yo, young kids are never gonna yeah. react to that. They kind of no. gotta be babied up until yeah. a certain yo, age. Yeah, you gotta be. You gotta want to play for the coach. You gotta want to play for the coach. That's the only way you have a successful team. Of course, you know that. As, as much as uh, I do, just, you know? to, just to kind of wrap up uh, some of your soccer career as yeah. well um, you had stints going overseas going on trials like that what was that kind of like and different to going to university for uh, that was that was a lot tougher to be honest with you man it takes a lot of mental capacity if you guys if anybody's looking out looking to go pro because I mean a you're out there on your own right from the get-go you're out there on your own you're on trial and Every day you're being judged and every day you're being tested. You know what I'm saying? So that was was definitely the hardest time. I was in England for a six month period and I, I signed a little contract with it with that with uh, one of the conferences out there and man, like it was only like a like a five month contract, so that's all you're signed for. So yeah. you already it's have a to, trial basis, yeah. pretty much seeing if you're exactly cut for this. Yeah, and you're already having to look right when you sign, you're you're it's like you're almost ready to having to look to the next team now because this team's not certain. You're not gonna. Yeah. You're not certain for another contract. So, that takes a lot of mental strength in order to always forget about if you have a bad game, if you yeah. if you had a bad pass or anything like that. You just have to literally forget about it, block it, and move on because they're not. They, they've they've they're already almost about to move on on yeah. you. You know what I'm saying? So. That was definitely a tough thing about uh, mental, mentally wise. Man. And that also, like the European, f like game is like these kids are bred to do this. Exactly. Like I remember at age ten when I was in academy there, it was organized, it was well yeah. run. There, they are pretty much they're cre they're creating professionals exactly at even at early age exactly. as ten, and that's what people don't get here, exactly. right? Is over there, they are so good because they are being bred to be professional yeah. athletes if they are lifestyle. good enough at yeah. that age, yeah. right? And that's the thing. They're forever learning. They're learning how to how to deal with press. They're learning how to deal with being away from family at exactly. an early age, exactly. right? Me and you both went on trials at ages where we're already in our teenage years, right? Yeah. If we had done that in our early stages, maybe we would have handled it better. Um, we probably would have, honestly. Right? We, probably we hadn't been away from my families to get thrown into that and be amongst people who this is kind of their livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of how they're going to... For me, I, at least when I went to Brazil, it was like, I'm competing against people that if they don't get this starting roster spot, 
their fucking family back home ain't exactly, gonna eat. Exactly, exactly. So that person is kicking me just as hard in practice as if it's somebody that I'm playing against and here. To, and we and we kind of don't have that extra no. like fucking. They're, they are you know? competing for spots in practice. That yeah. will never happen here. Exactly. Here you'll get they'll get mad at you if you tackle them exactly. hard. Over there, you're expected to get the shit kicked out of you yeah. if you're not a starter. And and to be doing that in practice, you have to have the mental strength to be like, okay, this guy, it's not I'm not can't take this personally right now. I can't be angry. Just keep playing my game. No. You know what I'm saying? Like we tend to even coming from North America over there, we're like, oh, this guy doesn't like me or anymore yeah. or something like that. No, like, it's a job. It's a job. This is standard shit. Yo, you got to bring it too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to bring it too. And that's the mental strength of, of saying like, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to th- really think about that. I'm going to keep going. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so true, man. That's so true. Just kind of relating that back to music. I was at, uh, I was at a gig last night. A couple guys are doing sound check. Mm. And then they're like, oh, they go to the sound engineer. like, how did it sound? And the engineer's like, it was okay, but practice it like you're gonna play it. Exactly. So if you're gonna do exactly. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. That's like one of the biggest lines that I've heard as an athlete. Like, it, practice how you play because how you practice will definitely show up in a game. Of you know, course, 100%. you can't. You can't go half intensity, and then when you get thrown into full intensity, how are you gonna know what full intensity is like? And that's the problem with North American kids out here. That's what they do. They show up at practice and they take it easy. Uh, what are some projects that you're working on for the future that you're excited about? I'm working on my EP, my solo first ever original project, which I'm so excited about. And it's been a process to make it because I've had the production in my possession for a few years and written to them and don't love the songs, but that's a part of it. And that's really what these songs will speak to um, is going through that, the going, going through the not feeling enough and then going through the empowering yourself and the healing of yourself and the loving part too. Um, so that's happening and I'm very excited about that. Again, records and album and projects like So Below have motivated me and um, reinstated why I do it in the first place. So that's there. And then a new lane of opened up for myself is voiceover work which is really fun. Um, so we're going to see you in some <laughs> Disney movies, aren't we? I don't know. Yeah, me. You I heard mean, it here first. Yeah. Exclusive, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Selena Dillon, Disney. That yeah. was just my voice. Yeah. Like I'm trying to get put on now. Yeah. Good voice so hopefully, your voice over hopefully sure. whoever <laughs> hires you, y'all, I got some skills too. You, you do. Your demo yeah, that's, yeah. You do. You know what? Save that little 30 seconds right there, please. Thank you. <laughs> your clip. Your okay, clip yeah. So, your... so you're getting into yeah, that line of work. How's link, that? It's really fun. Again, something I've never done. Such a different... It's You're performing, but you're acting. And when we are making music and being so authentic and personal on it, now I have to go into a realm where I have to apply that, but then also adapt to what somebody else wants. So yeah, it's yeah. both now. It's a really different equation. And it really just started from doing random guy like re- friends projects. Like one of our friends, uh, shout out to St. Lion. Okay, shout did, out to St. Lion. Did, the uh, yeah, he did when he did like his mini, uh, like his short film. I narrated and then, yeah, it just really came from that, like doing other people's projects and then knowing that, okay, not only do it, can I sing, but the sonics of my voice yeah. is also appeasing. So, you know, to be able to apply that in a world where, yo, you can make, 
you can live off that too. And it's a, I do want to live off my voice because it is a gift I was given. And so I think you know, it's you important to You don't even got to explain that. yourself. You go get whatever no, you got to go. You, know, you go get the bag. All right. But, but like, I think for anybody out there to recognize that gift, like know that you can explore such different arenas. It might not yeah, be the one you started with. Don't but box yourself in. Yeah. Exactly. Don't like, like don't you, you have something box. to do. Like, you know, Kevin having soccer, yeah, he plays, but there's another lane he can open in coaching. Like, it no. doesn't have to be just what you started with or what you had hoped it would be. If you love it and you think that that's something that's going to help people, then you can nurture it in another lane. So that's soccer, exactly what I'm doing. Soccer Academy coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, make, you know? sure, make sure I'm one of your yeah, coaches. Yeah. I got you. You're the head coach, right? I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, my, that's my next step. That's what I'm working on at the moment, and I'm very excited about it, and it's going to do a lot of different things. Again, there's a lot of different um, areas of voiceover work you can get into, whether it's like trailers, commercials, promos, animations are so fun. Yeah. That's... Yeah, definitely on one of my on my goal list of things to get into, but it's it's been really fun so far, and I'm yeah just really excited to keep exercising the gift so that it not only can feed me but help somebody else. That's that's dope. That's what this is about. Kevin, what you got going on next? Next is uh, like I was just saying, man. The soccer academy is gonna come soon. You heard it first. Guggen will be a coach, <laughs> and uh, You're damn right, I'm gonna be fucking head coach. What are you talking about? <laughs> You can send in your resume. We'll look at it. <laughs> yeah. But definitely the soccer, soccer academy is coming up, man. It's going to be with my dad. Um, we, we are going to run it together. We're going to be taking teams to uh, England and the States and getting them kind of exposure and, and teaching them, like I was just talking about, man, the, 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 the steps on, on becoming a pro, getting your, getting your degree, and helping your, your art really just pay for your education, something no one can take away from you, you know? Mm. So, I mean, yeah, that's the next step is the soccer academy, man. That's, That's amazing, it. and you're you're still playing even though you're hurt right yeah. now. Yeah, I think you yeah. faked this injury, but you yeah. know, uh, whatever. Your MRI says yeah. your knee's fucked, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> Neither do I. Man. But Neither we wish I. you a speedy recovery, and you know, I know you're going to be playing until your pops was playing with us till fucking. He's still playing. The yeah, he's I, still I, playing. My dad said he said he'll stop playing when he can play in the same field with his son. That went on for another 15 oh, years. Oh yeah, now now <laughs> it's going to be check. grandson. Now it's right? like Kev, Kev, I'm 65. I can still play. I can still play. Get me on a team, man. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Paul can ball though. He yeah. can ball. ball. You he know, ball. That, that was that was one ball. of my favorite center back partners. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely proud of both of you because I've seen your that. journeys. Um, on that note, we do have a little segment that we like to end off with. We're not going to kick you out because, you know, we don't do that type of thing. We like to be good hosts and I we like to keep the combo. Yeah, you know, I got to do what I got to do sometimes. <laughs> but um, no, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure we could fucking go on for hours and hours. But um, yeah, let's uh, noise. Uh, why don't you introduce uh, the little segment because you're really good at introducing it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we like to close the show just going around the panel and having so everybody just share something or somebody that they're grateful for. Uh, doesn't even have to be somebody you know. Could just be somebody that you know you admire from afar and you respect what they do, respect what their hustle is. Someone that's inspired you in some way, uh, and that you just have a lot of gratitude and appreciation for. Uh, let's start with Kevin. All right. I mean, I got maybe just two things just off the top of my head. One thing, definitely, Selena, man. Thank you. Thank you. For that. You got to give that, like, you know, 
we've always always had an indifferent relationship with our with our parents, but me and you have always been there side by side all the time as as the homie. So I mean that that's always mattered to both of us. We've always been each other's rock. And then going forward, man, the one thing that I'm always always uh, uh, have is thankful for and everyone should be is the hard times in my life man the hard times in my life are the one things that made me who i am that made me uh realize things about myself that helped me learn that helped me uh, be stronger man so the one thing yeah definitely is the hard times in my life i have to be thankful for and everyone should look at those hard times as a good thing instead of a bad thing that, that's dope that you actually look at it like a lesson and that's something that you may not even realize till later on in and life right when you get that clarity yeah. right yeah. but those things happen for a reason and it did shape who the fuck kevin dylan is right now right and it, sh- and it shapes everyone and it's something i didn't realize at an early stage but later on i realized that man these experiences are the best thing that's ever happened to me because it helped me just learn about me learn about my life and learn about situations so yeah that's a hard one to follow. So. Hard, and you no said pressure. it so nicely, pal. Like, Who is this I'm guy? Perfect. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> the perfect brother. Well, you know, I'm great. I'm grateful for you. You know, I tell you all the time. You know that. I am. Um, <laughs> I know. That. I'm very expressive. On the other hand, um, you know what? I'm. I write. I write what I'm grateful for every morning and night. And I'm gonna add this to my list. Really, like, not even to just be senti. Like, it's reminded me of how much support I actually have. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the community we built ourselves. I, I sometimes don't. I, I think so honestly. Sometimes, sometimes even so narcissistically, that it's just me and oh, like no one likes me or I'm not in touch with this person. Like, we are so connected, and I'm so grateful. That's that's what's held me down this whole time, and the fact that after. Uh, how long have I haven't seen you, Guggen? Yeah. I can sit down with you and we can have this conversation and it's motivated me, like, honestly, to go home tonight and just write and do things. Um, you know, that goes back to the company you keep and the friends that you have and to just really, yeah, be grateful for them. I, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, man, that's for real. It said, it. yeah, I can't, I'm not, no, I'm not you know funny, what? but, like, you know, I'm, I, I mean it. Like, yeah. I, I, haven't I haven't written it down honestly yeah. that this is something that's that matters yeah. and it does uh noise what are you grateful for um I'm thinking about this I could take this a couple of ways um I think just kind of building off what Selena was saying I feel like I'm grateful for just the the creative the community of creatives that we've kind of built and established like uh, just to I talked about it a bit earlier but I was at that show last night um, we'll stay out late and all these guys and just the way that, you know, everyone was fighting to get on years ago. Yeah. Now we're in a position where we're able to create avenues for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you mentioned how financially, like things have been, you know, do, doing pretty well for ourselves. Like last year was the most money I've ever made from music. Yeah. And this year was the most money I've ever been able to share with other people yeah. through music. So I'm able to get That's other sick, people on yeah. gigs, um, through money coming in from other avenues through music, I'm able to split it with other people in my network. And I think that's a beautiful thing when, you know, people are looking out for each other and looking to, to put each other on, give each other opportunities and give them a chance to shine. And I think I'm just grateful for having those type of people in my corner that are looking out for my best interests just as I'm looking out for theirs. Um, so yeah, shout out to Stay Out Late, shout out to 
all you guys here. Shout out to all the other creatives and all the homies that we've been working with. That's that's dope. That's dope. You're having a great T-shirt day, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, man. So we had uh, we had the Sandy Lion on here, right? Yeah. So fucking stylist, all yeah. this, and I was telling her we were talking about how like noise used to be the black god, right? Like he <laughs> yeah. used to just wear black, everything, blah blah blah. Black hoodies. And then all I'm day. like, yo, on this podcast, this guy's gonna shit on me yeah. with T-shirts, and I shouldn't have said that because I feel like that got to his head, and now he's just fucking he's fronting on me with the, the greasiest shirts. And now I'm realizing, yo, I gotta fucking step up my T-shirt game yeah. for this podcast because I'm like, something for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I swear everything. to God, today was the first day where I actually <laughs> looked into my closet and I'm like, fuck, I gotta compete with noise today, like you know. I and I came up with a fucking whatever fucking, you know, soccer jersey. I read it. I read it. It's That's old school soccer jersey. I'm keeping up. But like, come on. Power Rangers. Vintage Fresh. Power Rangers, yeah. bro. Like, come on. How can I compete with that? Except no, it's because like a couple of shows back, you had the old school Phoenix Suns jersey. Because oh, so I, 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 you know, I wanted to stun on him before he had the capabilities of stunning on me. But it backfired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Clearly good. backfired. So what are you grateful for? Yes, oh, G. man. I'm the worst at these. I say the most... Now that I've like listened back to a few episodes, I say the most <laughs> random shit. But what am I grateful for? And this might be a little bit senty, but I am grateful right. for my motherfucking co-host Noise right here. Shout out, shout out to yeah. Noise. Um, this dude has probably been the fucking common denominator to any success I've had in the creative arts. He has been the motherfucker that has stood beside me since I ever since I met him. He's the guy that our lives have been going on the same path. We we had nieces around the same age. We uh, we got married months apart. We we work our full time jobs and then still did whatever fucking creative aspects we have. When I walk into his household, I feels the same way as when he comes into my household. Our parents ask about each other as they know about our lives. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to have. It's a it's a friendship. It's a brothership that has grown so much from just being being um homies that rap to now like you know this guy is an intricate part he was my best man at my wedding he was he was he was one of my dudes that has been in my corner in in all aspects of life so and even now going into this podcast like this is my idea and this guy's probably doing more work than me (laughs) right now and you know what that makes me feel like shit at times but i know this is the one guy that's never made me feel bad about that shit and it's not that i i yo fuck if i could do have these things i would take the workload off him but he doesn't even make me feel bad about these things right so to have somebody like noise in my corner it is the fucking greatest thing and it's the only reason i'm really still pursuing creative arts because if he wasn't here i would have crumbled and I would have not given a fuck because I've been burned in so many ways. And this is the guy that stayed consistent. So you'll clap it up for the homeboy That's noise. Yeah. Yeah, man. The man never has stayed consistent. Without getting too sentio, the homie holds it down. And yo, everything, he's going to be successful. He's one of my favorite rappers. And I don't just say that because he's beside me. He is one of the best lyricists I've ever heard. And on top of that, one of the greatest, greatest human beings I know. So. Yes. Yo, yeah, that, that's what I'm grateful for that, today. Yeah. I said you Blushing, killed that. Blushing, he's blushing. <laughs> oh, man. You killed that you one. Know, no, you know, done well with that I was one, like, yo, no, everybody no, shits on me with the he's with the grateful too. shit. So, you know what? I have to come with a fire one this week. You did a good yeah. one, mate. Came with the one, too. I like it. <laughs> Love you, too, brother. Um, is there anything that we missed? Like, what, like to 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 the masses who is looking out for Selena Dillon, what, what do you have to say to maybe young kids and to people who have been following you and people who know you? 
this the mic is yours to say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> that I love you, and that if there's someone that you don't have to turn to, come holler at me. Like, let me know, message me, hit me up. I've been through so much, and I only have so much to give. And I just, yeah, I'm here for you. I just want you to know I'm here for you. Mm. Yeah. That's fucking dope. Noise, anything to add? Um, no, I think everybody. Dropped a lot of gems, dropped a lot of jewels, and it's been a beautiful, beautiful evening recording. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. With that said, this has been the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. Okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>